What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. Season 5, Episode 7, going right after the game, fresh off the press. We try to, you know... Can, can console ourselves, try to keep you know our emotions down just a little bit because there's a lot we could say about that game that we just witnessed. And I'll start it off here for for Jason Brooks, for Sean T. Stewart, for Brock Sale, guys. We're going live here to give you a bit of a look. And I'll, right off the bat, I, I I think you clean house. I think you just clean house right off the bat. Uh, I mean, everyone can go head coach, OC, the scouts, the water boys, send them all home because I mean that was just atrocious. Oh yeah. We need to I release mean, some fire mat rule shirts. Sorry. We need to release some shirts because if we're going to suck, I want to make money off of it at least because we, we are embarrassing to watch. Nobody wants it, to say anything positive about this team. Look, man, to do this on the day, we finally honor Sam Mills under a regime that's done everything they've tried to do to, to erase the prior history of this franchise. And that's how you come out and you commemorate my dog, man. I just we just need to apologize. I want to give a give an apology to Christian McCaffrey. This is unfortunate that you have to waste your career here, but it is what it is. DJ Moore, you deserve an apology, my boy. I thought you was gonna be a number one. Thought you could be top ten, but it's not your fault. Brian Burns, you played great. It's not your fault. A few others too, but I mean, there's a lot of great there's a lot of great talent on this team that we're wasting, and there's no light at the end of the tunnel for this. It's got it's got to end. It's got to, it's got to end. It's got to end soon. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of blame to go around, and I think we can start at the top. We can go to the bottom. Everything in between. End of the day, we are worse than the cardiac cat years. Uh, to your point, we did disrespect Sam Mills today, and by the amount of seats I saw open, there is not a lot of fandom to go around. Nah. I mean, it was still got loud I, I, well, I felt like, we were, yeah, I mean, the beginning we were loud enough, but I felt it was like we had gone back in time to 2010, 2009, and the, the just horrors that those years were. You have the old end zones, the old logo. Loved seeing that, by the way. It was really cool, really nice gesture. I, you know, they had not really marketed it at all up until today, and I was like, oh, that's, that's insane. That's really awesome, but also a bit of a disgrace to honor the cornerstone of your team and, and, play like that especially on the defensive side of the ball we're going to give their flowers for the first half and what they were able to do in the first half and of course the announcers were just giving it all to phil snow and i you got to do some more research because phil snow is not the guy making that stuff happen anywhere around i mean you talk about the first and the first drives were just so weird to watch right off the bat i mean you get that punt then you get the fourth down we're going to talk about that you know just go drive by drive basically defense coming out with a in a good way but your offense and the way that the, the the calls you try or the plays you try to call right off the bat, and you have the quarterback sneak that you try to you know or you have the quarterback sneak in that third and one is just again the most uninspired, the most just easy to read and easy to defend plays out there that early on. You have you stop them. You're at good field position for the most part. You don't really get anything going on first down or second down other than a catch, you know, a pass to Ian Thomas. It was just stilted. It was just a it was just a standard subpar offense. No, no signs of creativity. Uh, it, it's crazy though that in all the years that we had number one, we always thought fourth and ones are automatic, third and shorts are automatic. It's crazy how hard it's been. And to get zero push with either a Mayfield or McCaffrey, bro. I mean, I thought Deontay Foreman, right? I, I swear, I thought we got him for exactly these reasons. And at least if you're not going to use them, at least have them in the backfield on that play, at least make them have to trust it or have to, or have to respect it. But to go into a backfield with Baker Mayfield, Christian McCaffrey, and when how this offensive line has been playing, which, which has been so, so not as bad as last year, but they've still not provided me that, that push and that nastiness that I thought we were going to get with signing guys like Corbett, Bozeman, having a guy like Iki Kwamu. Uh, I think we still haven't seen that all the line come together and have an overall great performance. It's about what it's been, though, under the rule era. Just a lack of just, just, just a lack of heart, lack of just no flair, no nothing, and you just get beat up. You get beat up up front, and that's exactly what happens. We play like a college football team. It's like there, there's no real discipline in any sides of the ball because some teams, they have a good special teams. They can pop off with that. We, our defense may, is good when our players make plays. It's not like we're shutting people down for an entire game. We just have little spurts of greatness on defense that really help us out, like that Luvu pick or Brian Burns sack. 
having Jeremy Chin out there or not having Jeremy Chin out there really hurt us. Miles Hartsfield was getting routed up by tight ends all day. And it was tough to watch. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not happy to be a Panthers fan right now. No, I think I think we've all discussed it. I think the fact that our defense spends three quarters of the time on the field, our offense can only stay on for as long as a first period in junior high. It is what it is. We, we can never seem to kind of find a consistent rhythm and balance. And so when you put all of that on your defense, at some point in time, you're going to break right throughout it, throughout the course of the game. The bigger issue is around the coaching on the offensive side of the ball. There's no consistency there. There's no identity. McAdoo seems to be playing Uno, trying to figure out if he has a draw four or not, and he's not hitting on any cylinders. You can tell by the way the players are playing. McCaffrey looks frustrated in the face. DJ Moore is definitely frustrated. You just don't see it, and we just don't have it, and that starts at the top. So we've all said it. You said it at the beginning. Maybe we should wear T-shirts, but more moreover, we think Tepper needs to come to, to his senses. It's time to change it up, and we need something fast and furious. And I'll, I'll, I'll disagree with you while agreeing with you there, Jason. I think there is consistency in the offensive side. It's consistently just <laughs> atrocious. It's nothing's there. I mean, it, it goes back to what we keep talking about with this, you know, with your 10 plays that you have scripted at the beginning of the game. That is a staple in football. It's a staple of a good offensive coordinator. And what you're going to do, you try to be flashy. And you look at it again, short past Ian Thomas in the middle. Christian McCaffrey up the middle, left to the left. And I get you want to keep it simple to start out. But then a third and one, you know, you just, again, run it up, not even putting Foreman in there to try to make the defense. They put him in as a lead blocker. Or what happened to Giovanni Ricci? All the stuff he was doing in the preseason, everything, they were sending him out to the flat, having him go in the middle, having him run up. What happened to that? And that's what, and, and, and what you talk about with Tepper. We've had a lackluster offense for the last four years since Cam has left, even with Cam last year. And it was only masked by, you know, or taken, the severity was taken away because you have a rotating, you know, door of quarterbacks. So it's like, oh, we're just not getting consistent play. You're not having consistent. No, we've just had a lackluster offensive scheme. So I don't know what made Fitterer and Tepper in their right mind think that Ben McAdoo was going to be your savior and was going to come in and make good plays. Because even second half, we talk about it, four plays, or excuse me, three plays for negative four yards. You come out of the gates with that. What were you doing for 20 minutes in the locker room? But, hey, look, but look, but to this point, all right, so Michael329 had this to say in, in our comment session. Games like this make me wonder what happens during practice. The offense is making mistakes that you expect from a high school football team, and then Dimitri Conto's uh, ad follows up to what Teddy said last, well, I think maybe, maybe a couple years ago now, about the lack of prep. That this that this team does the lack of prep that Coach Rule gives this team, bro, and it shows each and every week because there's no reason why short yard situations you can't figure out what what it is you need to do that that's effective in the red zone two point conversion. I know I know we're, I'm jumping all the way to the toward the end, but again, there's still no lack of there's still a lack of preparation. Like there's there, there's still no I I there is no semblance of. What are we trying to accomplish with each play? Each play is supposed to accomplish something. Like you said, Jack, when you come out come out with scripted plays, they're supposed to accomplish something and at least establish what you want to do to that to that defense. We see nothing. That I mean, family, that's what you script out. I just can't imagine what the film sessions are like. Are you, what are the coaches coaches meetings like if what you're scripting out is only netting you what negative what what with six yards in the in the, in the, in the third quarter? That's what you script. We need a coach 30 in there. We need him in there looking at what's going on. Say, look, this is what you need to do. Someone <laughs> like someone's got to call them out on this. And I think I think for the most part, too, though, with that, I'm sorry, Jack, to cut you up. But I think with that, too, you, you talk about how we need to mix it up. If we've done the same thing over the first four weeks, right? What has been the result? Nothing has ever come to transpire to anything other than a mistaken win or, or a half or, or a haphazard effort. What I what I think that we're we're missing the bigger point of is we keep complaining about the fact that the play calling and the execution, it really comes with the whole dynamic of, to your point, Shantis, what are we doing week, day to day inside that, inside that film room, inside that locker room? Because it's definitely not coming to fruition on the field. If every week you have this big game plan, this grandiose game plan, we're going to come in and we're going to make things happen and we have to be patient and we've been patient. And over and over again, we keep seeing the same lackluster effort on both Probably the offense, most of but also also on the defense when you start getting late in the games because they're tired and because they're getting beat up. Yeah, it, it seems like there's zero communication between the coaches and the players. And I think that comes from not having enough uh, real veterans because if you hear talk uh, Pat McAfee talk about 
the Colts dynamic when Pagano was there. He had veterans come in so they could relate the messages to the younger guys because those younger guys don't want to hear, even though he is a defensive coordinator, they don't want to hear all that talking from Phil Snow and all these guys telling him to do this, do this, do this. You need to have a guy to level the playing field and get people on the same page. It just seems like there's no chemistry between our coaches and players, and that's not going to get better unless we get somebody that just comes in and makes a presence for himself right away. I've been and, saying and this for a long time. The Detroit guy, I keep forgetting his name. Oh, no, Dan Campbell. Yeah. Dan Campbell. Yeah. And and that's what baffles me about the offseason. And we keep bringing this up. What did you think was going to happen when you let guys like Stefan Gilmore and Hassan Reddit walk? I understand that there was a money issue per se, but like you, especially we saw it in the defensive backs tonight. If one guy goes down, the depth is not enough to, to, to handle a team that really only has one receiver. That's at best, I'd say a B lister in the league. I mean, the Hopkins wasn't even out there and we were still getting carved up like a Christmas Turkey. I do not understand where it comes across and where you think, cause you're right. I mean, Shaq is the oldest player, if I'm not mistaken on that uh, in that defensive area and yeah. and you only and that's the only area you have it your front four you have Ionitis, but you know he again is just coming into this team so it's not enough to establish a meaningful connection with the rest of the guys and then you look back in the backfield i guess you know woods is probably your oldest guy back there now if you because you, you, you keep burst on the practice squad and i just i just i do not understand where they where that money went and what they thought that was going to do and, that, and the craziest part is that I can tell you Gilmore probably didn't want to come back. I I, I can yeah. for a, for a guy that's been a defensive MVP, played for the Patriots, knows what it's like to play on a good team and a good system. I guarantee he saw what was going on in Carolina. It was great for him being from Rock Hill for a, for a few weeks, but he saw that and got and got out of town. Hassan Reddick did vocalize that he wanted to stay, and for some reason, with the money that even the money we gave DJ and and, and Dante. We still had cap space, and I wondered what were we gonna do with that cap space for the entirety of the offseason. Like, what is like, where is it gonna go? Because it's not gonna last forever. You got to spend it. Well, you had Carlos Dunlap in your grasp. He walked out the door without a contract. JPP walked out, walked out the door without a contract. So you didn't add any other veteran pass rusher alongside Brian Burns, and you're seeing it now. Marquise Haynes is is bro, he's a situational guy that I would bring in off off of my bench as a rotational player. Your Turgos Matos, I've not seen anything of note to make me believe this guy's ever going to develop into an NFL player. And I'm 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 done waiting on it. And again, like, like I see in the comment section, it's not about individual player execution, even though it is. And Baker has got a lot of things that he's got to clean up. And it's not even clean up. Just clean just clean your locker room up and just go ahead and, and go ahead and bounce. Let's go ahead. Get your next. Let's start your next career as a as a substitute teacher, and let's move on. Because at this point, bro, we don't have any answers. None of the answers that are going to save us are on this roster, or on this coaching staff. And again, the the quicker they cut bait, the sooner we can start to heal as a franchise and go find a real coach. I have questions around ownership. Make a couple additions. Sorry, I think ownership too. No, no, I think ownership too. I think. Ownership has to decide what they want to do because for so long he's been saying he's going to bank on Matt Rule and Matt Rule hasn't brought anything of substance to to the Carolinas. Um, you know, we need something that's going to actually he's going to have to bridge back that relationship for all the things that have transpired between him and the city, as well as down in South Carolina, as well as what we have on the on the, on the field. The product on the field is not anything that is going to bring anybody through those doors. And as you see it, we get more visitation than we do have our homegrown fans in this inside the stands today i saw a lot of blue seats i saw i, I didn't see a whole lot of uh cheering going on that was you know a lot of hype you know i just saw the you know the ordinary situational football going on and that also plays into how our team plays right they feed off of that feedback right they feed off of the crowd so if the crowd's not in it and they see that we're not trying to support them in the way that they see other teams being supported that also plays a role into their psyche and from a business perspective, you're absolutely right, Jason. You'd think this was especially a 90s throwback for your field and end zones and your Sam Mills Day. You have a lot of, of, of you have pretty much half of your fan base right now that is 
you know, that was there for the Cardiac Cats era from the beginning feels marginalized right now, not, you know, watching a team that they have very little connection to anymore. So you think you would promote that more so than just the day of to get people to come out to a game like that, come out to the atmosphere, having the, all the retro stuff, build it up even more. So from a business perspective, that just seems like a fumble in itself. And honestly, at this point, it's getting to the point where I'm not even sure about if, if it's coaching and, you know, the staff we have. I'm questioning the ownership as a whole. It's reaching Bob John and levels of, of incompetency in, in Charlotte right now, because I, I just, I don't, you know, I, it's not, I don't think I want him to have more of an impact or, you know, a, a, a say in what goes on. Cause clearly he's proven he doesn't have the knowledge to make these decisions or he doesn't have the, you know, he doesn't want to. The biggest thing I, we've noticed with Tepper from the, from the very beginning is that he's lost any type of connection. Like you said, Jason, he's lost all the types of connection that he, that, that he had to the, to the city of Charlotte. To South Carolina, and again, like you said, a day like today, right? Sam Mills being the cornerstone of your franchise, a guy that only played a handful of seasons, but still has a long-lasting impact that's gone on for well over 20 years. Why did we just now find out the day of that they were doing the throwback logos in the end zones? They were putting the old, they were putting the old Panthers logo in the middle of the field. Why was this not something that was circulated well before? I mean, mind you, bro, these events, I. There's no way they just all of a sudden plan this event the week of and say, "Hey, we're gonna honor Sam Mills today and like on last Sunday." This that that goes into your offseason planning. So why so why do we not know about this? Like there's a like you said, we uh, the people that watched the Panthers prior to Cam Newton. Yeah, we, yeah, we do feel marginalized now because they've done away with everything that we knew about this franchise and and that we loved at this point. And again, even today. You still did a half. It was it was a it was a, a haphazard effort to give us any type of you know re get that give that era of the franchise any type of recognition. I think um, to your point, Brock, in terms of you were talking about, you know, just needed to make some additions. I, I don't think that's the case here because we take a look at it. When you look at the teams that have been, you know, building up and bringing in talent, again, they already have that base, not necessarily from a talent perspective, but from a coaching perspective. You look at L.A., you look at Tampa Bay, you look at philly right now especially as well they all have had a coaching staff that has facilitated the ability to be successful and build up and they were just waiting for some pieces you know they needed hurts to turn into what he what i would like to say that also if you've been listening to this podcast for the last two years i was a big proponent of getting hurts up at that point in time and giving him a year to just learn to develop and build a pup on him because I thought at the time that was going to pay the best dividends for what you could get at that point in time. And he went, if I'm not mistaken, in the second round. So you mm -hmm. still have the opportunity to grab him. And and so my, my thought process, though, is what I'm saying is if you take a look at the Jags today, not by any means a team that is loaded with talent, both veteran presence or, you know, raw ability. They have obviously, you know, some of their younger guys, they're picking up some free agents, but you bring in a coach who took, you know, the Eagles to the Super Bowl and got them that victory in Doug Peterson. And obviously there were some issues there at the end of their tenure, but now he goes straight. He's a experienced, uh, a celebrated and, you know, I guess not celebrated, but he's, he's won, he's proven himself. And you bring that to the organization. They're putting up numbers against the Eagles who look like the best team in the NFL right now. And they're, and they're giving them a run for their money and only losing it there at the very end to a roster that is stacked. So I don't think it has anything to do with the talent we have here. Shanti's talked about it, you know, apologizing to every guy that we have who's at the end of it. It's not like Ron Rivera and, you know, we just weren't loading up other talent. They're just McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Brian Burns. I mean, JC Horn, you're going to, it's just going to become a waste because the coaching staff we have in right now is just, it's atrocious. Phil Snow makes no adjustments going into halftime, and neither does Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo, I can understand. I wasn't expecting it from him anyway. Phil Snow, I really wasn't either. But all you had to do was just try to, I mean, you, you got out coached in that regard. And it's not like you got out coached by Bill Belichick, Sean McVay. You got out coached by Cliff Kingsbury, who has He's been terrible. I mean, the poster child for just for 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 being second guessed and being being a meme as a coach, basically, and especially Kyler Murray as well. I just it, it's just it's it's just aggravating to watch. It's deflating because you go into the first half, you're like, all right, this is this gives us some life. Frankie Louvu has done it twice in two weeks now. You get the turnovers you want, and then it just goes all down the window. Shanti's, I know you have something to say about it. It's just funny that this coaching staff in particular that had no NFL experience thought that they could come in with restoration projects at quarterback three years in a row and figure it out. When at, I say, bro, it, 
the best approach they could have taken was break it down and rebuild it again. But you see, and, and you've seen what ha what's happened in Jacksonville and what's happened in Philadelphia. When you go get young quarterbacks and you go make it, you make a concerted effort to put weapons around them and you give them coaches that are into developing them. Doug Peterson, we saw what Doug Peterson did with Carson Wentz. Had Carson Wentz looked looking like an MVP and a top five quarterback in the league. You got they got rid of Urban Meyer, who I think we all should have seen that coming with, with with him and that being a train wreck. And you go get you go get Trevor Lawrence, a real coach, and he goes from looking like a bust, like a generational bust, to a guy that can play competent football. And they have a team that's in position to win their division, as bad as it is. Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, goes from a guy that we, I mean, didn't like he could play quarterback in the, in the league his first, uh, the first year and a half that he, you know, and he, and he ended the game, but now looks like an MVP candidate. It's having the same type of upswing Lamar Jackson had from year one to year two. Like it's, it's crazy what happens when you, when you work, when you go into investing into your young guys and investing in the young quarterbacks instead of trying to fix guys that have proven to you year in and year out that they don't have it. Yeah, well, two things I want to address here. So one thing is, Ashanti's, he did break it down and rebuilt it. He rebuilt it with Temple. So that's one. <laughs> two, you talk about adding pieces. I think, to your point, I want to go to Brock's point and your point, Jack. I think you both are right. We do need to add pieces, but we need to add pieces in the right places, i.e. the offensive line. Um, I think we, we we keep trying to put Band-Aids on, on scars that we have never let heal. We haven't had a good line since... 2015, 2016, if I had to say. Oh, further, than, further than that, I would say. I mean, at least one I would stand on. At least one I would stand on, right? Yeah, well, stand on. Yeah. Yeah, at least one I would stand on. So that's one place I think we do need to add pieces. We really need to figure that part out, which is what we talk about every every year. Um, the other side to that, though, to, 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 to your point, Jack, as far as, you know, adding people and looking at Doug Peterson. Yeah, Doug Peterson is a different animal. This is which is why I said we should have never let someone like a B enemy walk out of the door, right? He's a proven person who's been in the system, who comes from a tree of coaches that has the know-how how to build a staff. Maru came in with his wish list and he's wished us all into the dumpster. That's what he's done over his tenure here. And so when you don't have, to your point, that consistency and tenure from a know-how of how to run an organization, this is what you get. And he thinks he knows better than the league. So he thinks his ideas are going to be bigger and better, whereas he's not relying on what the real basis of football is. And that's starting from the inside out. You start in the inner, the inner sanctums of your of, of the core of your team, and then you work your way out to your skilled players, in my opinion. Dallas has done it for the years on end. If you look at most of the successful teams, Belichick's always done it from the inside out. These are the teams that continue to build. And if you think about the Jaguars, the Jaguars have been in rebuild mode over the last five years and over the last three drafts. They've done impeccably well as far as how they've drafted, how they've attracted talent, which is why we can't go out and get the likes of a Sean Payton. Nobody wants to come and work for Temple. We can't go out and try to sell our organization with, oh, we've got new ownership. We're going down a new path because they see what we're putting together and they see the calamity that is known as the Panthers. We are actually most likely the laughing stock of the league right now. 100%. If I, I don't understand why we decided to, if we were going to rebuild everything and start from scratch, why we decided to pull a college coach out when we've seen multiple times that that really doesn't work in the NFL. There's a reason for that. The NFL is a completely different scenario. Not only do you have to be a professional yourself, but you need to know how to treat people like professionals. If you've ever heard a Matt Rule um, talk with the team or like something where he's hyping him up in the camp confidential stuff, he uses like cheesy um, quotes and like, like he'll throw out a Muhammad Ali quote out of nowhere. Just and cliches it's just like, and just empty. It's just not good. We can't we, like I would if I was a high schooler, maybe I'd be like, yeah, let's go. But if I'm a 25 year old man making millions of dollars, I'm like, who's this goober up here talking about absolutely nothing? But, <laughs> We got guys making twenty million dollars running wind sprints to a DBO sign and back, but this is not, bro. This is what are we doing, bro? This is an unserious operation from top to bottom. And again, the only thing I think can save us right now is getting the coach like a Sean Payton that can put his foot down to a guy like David Tepper and say, "Look, this is my team. This is my operation. I will run it." I mean, I Sean think Payton will 
coach a sixth grade football team than us. I think I think Sean Payton and Ken Dorsey would laugh in our faces. I, I think that it goes back to the original sin. And it's why I, I you know I think about it. I think we've downplayed because Tepper has stopped talking. He's stopped saying stuff in, in press conferences. He's stopped saying things in the media pretty much altogether other than saying that he hates all of us in our basements because we don't know what goes on. I think that really it, it, it the incompetency that is there, we talk about that original sin of firing your head coach and not firing your interim GM and allowing someone who was already, you know, placing his he was already getting a lot of land in Florida ready for retirement. He was ready to go and you give him the reins. I mean, he came from Pittsburgh where they had not had a they have not had a coaching change or a GM change in almost a decade. I mean more than a decade and I don't know about yeah. GM specifically, but um but as far as head coach, you know, in a decade or so. So he didn't have any sort of any sort of familiarity with how that process is supposed to go. So from the get-go, he throws things. I don't give, I don't, you know, put blame on that rule and that coaching staff for coming in thinking they can succeed because they're delusional. So of course they think they can succeed. Why wouldn't they think they can succeed? Because they've turned the program around at Baylor and you're coming off of the successful stint with LSU for Joe Brady. Why wouldn't they think that? But that's where it gets even worse is that I don't know, you know, I think it almost gets to a point where, okay, we got to talk about this ownership right now. We get, someone's got to have a, you know, an intervention with Tepper here because he's not doing anything about it. He's not saying anything. He's not paying attention to any of it. And you're going to continue to just churn out mediocrity and, and, and be in this cycle of, of, because let, let me, let me say this, you know, we talk about the individual performance, even the offensive line. I mean, two sacks for 17 yards. I, I don't, you know, fault, Taylor Moten for the performance against JJ Watt. We have to remember he was not, he did not play that game last year when we played them. He was injured, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. I, 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 he's going to have an impact regardless of what medical conditions he, he may or may not have had before the game. He was going to have an impact. Those, and, and it gets to the point though where you, your offensive coordinator is calling a, not a simple play style because if it was simple, Baker wouldn't have to be spending 15 seconds in the pocket looking for three, four reads down the field. Rule says our guys aren't getting open. I call BS on that. You have DJ Moore and and, and 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 Robbie Anderson who can make things happen in open space and run around. They're speedy and shifty. But your offensive coordinator is not calling something simple. It's confusing because clearly Baker, is, he's taking too long. The offensive line is holding its own. But when it's 50, you know, 15 seconds they're having to wait – they're, they're not going to be able to keep, you know, anyone down for that long. I mean, Baker was only sacked, like I said, twice and rushed about, you know. Is it complex, though, or is it to the point of the matter that Baker's lost his confidence? Probably a little right? bit of both. Well, I, I, think, I think from a complexity perspective, if you look at what we're calling, it's nothing complex about it. He's calling plays trying to make a spark because he can't be consistent on just running – regular normal plays to your point why are we not using Dante Foreman as a as a scheme back in the backfield I've said this since the beginning why are we not running two tight end sets why are we not running I mean there's a, a plethora of things that we could be using Robbie for and DJ and DJ Moore for we've got a receiving tight end and Trimble even though he dropped the pass today but if you do it to him more he may catch it because he probably wasn't even expecting the ball because he never gets his number never gets called I so will say I mean, Ian Thomas and Trimble sold on us pretty early. I mean, yep. Chris Manhurst was Chris Manhurst Padres being Ian Thomas and Chris Mangum, light skinned Chris Mangum, sold on us bad boy. I'm not gonna, I can't front with you. Basically, so many things that go that goes wrong with that offense that it's it's not just one person. Right. But I will exactly. say, like, I will say though, in the broadcast, I heard them talking about, and I heard it last week too. McAdoo's talking about, oh, Baker's footwork is getting better, bro. What, what year is Baker heading into? Four, we're way five, past the point of we're way past six, the point of footwork. Seven, six, hey, boy, it got to be right. Like five, I think four or five. See, either one, two, like like four or five, bro. As a grown man, right? You've been playing quarterback for I don't know how long. When did we fit? When we, so we just not figured out he had bad footwork? This was just <laughs> this is a new thing. Like I, I do, this wasn't in the scouting report for any like for anybody else, but we just not figured out he had bad footwork, and now he needs to work on that. And which. And some of the throws that he missed, I, 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 I know Jack. We were talking about the flag route that he threw to he threw to DJ Moore to his inside, bro. You put it, you you put it, you drop it right there in the bucket. That's a that's not a touchdown, but that's a huge game. Gets you into the red zone for a chance to score. Something that you don't do a whole lot of. You know what I'm saying? You seem to be. A, 
Well, and then a little bit later, he did the exact same thing, and he threw it way too short. I believe it was Robbie to the point where it was almost nearly picked off. And that's the other thing is that he's just, I mean, he's lackluster. And to the, it's getting to the point where, at like I said, the biggest distinction between him and, and Sam Darnold was the turnovers. And the first one, I'm going to put on him because if DJ doesn't have to yeah. flip around and try to get that, he's going to make that catch every day that ends in a Y. The second one, again, I mean, that's J.J. Watt, but you're also taking forever to get that ball out of your hands. And we've seen that time and time again, just taking forever to get the ball out of your hands. And so that's where I'm like, okay, I'm putting that on you. You got it. I don't know if it's a confidence thing like you said, Jason, or if it's a, you know, I don't think it's complex. I don't think it's complex at all. I think, right. we've, I mean, we're seeing the wide receivers literally get open, but this was why I was always concerned about doing this at the beginning, because I don't know what they thought we were going to get out of this year. And, and you, and when you put, when you sign a quarterback like this and you put him into the system in the time frame you do, it's the same thing with Cam Newton, their, their, you know, their return on investment goes into a pressure cooker. And you need immediate return on investment right away, or at least a semblance that you're doing something well, or else it looks like a bust. Now, granted, we didn't pay that much money for him, but I think it's something we're also doing. And I think we started to do with um, Iki Aquanu. I think when it's the first time you've drafted an offensive tackle in so long, we put him kind of in a pressure cooker. I'll step back and say that I, you know, maybe expected a bit too much of him too quickly. I think he's not necessarily you know, improved by leaps and bounds, but I think it's getting consistent there. What, you know, they weren't coming from from his side of the ball, from his side of the field. This week it was coming from J.J. Watt in the center. And the center is something we, again, I don't know what you expect when your center is not a proper center. I don't know why you think that's going to work when you've got a guy who isn't, that's not what he's supposed to be doing. We're just but trying to yeah. put the pieces together. It's it's not really like that. That O-line forever has been like a plug and play. Dennis Daly played three different positions on that O-line, basically. Like, if, if we needed a center, Dennis Daly would have played center. And he was not good at any of them. Like, we, we've been patching holes on that O-line for a real, real long time. And I don't think anything but, like, a star signing like Teron Armstead we could have got last year would, would really do the job. But in my opinion, I think there's only one person that can help us out that we have not a big chance to get, but a chance – Lamar Jackson. I think we need to start talking about that. We have we have cap space and we can clear a lot. That's the one person that like we've had the the quarterbacks that can throw the ball, do whatever like pocket passers, game manager type stuff. If we have a guy that can just change everything, he's the guy. He changed yeah. the, the boring offense with Joe Flacco turned into one of the most dynamic, fun offenses in the league yeah. like that. Immediate success. I want to give, I would say, before we go down that route, because I honestly don't think in the end of the day, we we don't have enough to even give up for Lamar Jackson, to be honest with you. Um, he's going to be a free agent, correct? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be a free yeah. agent, but yeah, it's going to take about, it's gonna take 300 mil to get him at this point. We but can, they can, we still, can find, if we really want to win, we're going to find that money. Yeah, I don't think I don't I don't think it would be worth I think you should give Matt Corral a chance. I mean, honestly and truthfully, I think Matt Corral will show you something different. Did you see just, how bad he played against the Commanders in that first preseason game? <laughs> it was hard to watch. I'm not I'm not uh, tying my my season or anything on Matt Corral. I'm going for dynamic. I'm going for crazy. And this all depends on where we finish at the end of the, at the end of the year. Because if we finish in the top five, I got a couple quarterbacks I like in the draft that, that they, CJ CJ that's my that's my that's my guy. I'm not gonna lie to you. And if he's there. I'm sorry to Matt Corral, right? But on the bright side, you didn't have to get coached by Matt Rule, so you still a chance for you somewhere else, just not here. <laughs> it just it, it just can't be here, my boy. But if there's a chance for me to go get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, not Will Levis, but any, anybody else, then I'm definitely gonna take the plunge, and I'm gonna allow my new coach to have his quarterback and his guy the same way we let Matt Rule give Cam the boot and start off with Teddy Bridgewater. We we owe it to everybody else at that point to at least try to get a good quarterback. I mean, guys like Byron Leftwich are out there. Pep Hamilton's got Houston scoring twenty plus points on the Chargers with the with the all star studded uh, all star studded defense. There are guys out there you can go get, bro. Just take the plunge and go get you go get us somebody. 
and that's my thing. I think, you know, it's, I, I think it is early for the quarterback talk. Now I would agree a little bit with Lamar, although, I mean, look at if this is what he's going to, I mean, now it's the bills, but clearly the coaching was not very great today in Baltimore and they gave up that 10, 15 point lead to lose that game. And, and with the line, he was, Lamar was running around. It looked very reminiscent of a play that could absolutely happen in Carolina. I think though, it's too young to, or it's too quick to talk about it because it's the issue that I've had every single freaking year. And at this point, at this point, the QB talent in the, in the college level is enough, depending upon where we fall, for me to say, okay, bite the bullet, take it. You know, the line is at a good place for now. I mean, you keep Moten where he is. He's going to keep developing. You've got, again, some bargain bin guys, but they're doing a little bit better than they're supposed to. You get that center under wraps, and I'm feeling a little bit better about it. But I don't want to throw another quarterback into this position to where they're going to have to work with this. You know, they're going to have to work with a question mark at offensive coordinator and, and head coach. Because oh, I think I you, you – all this is under the guys that they're gone. This that's that's I'm yeah. speaking from the guys of that them boys out of there. And I agree with And I see why you're thinking that way. But also, it's I mean, look at like I know there was you know some rumor mill going around that rule was gonna it was already on the hot seat you know going into this game. But I'm not gonna believe it till I see it because it's getting to the point where I don't have any sort of faith in management to cut the cord and 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 to bite the bullet and say all right you're out we're done with you because if I mean. Unless there is some sort of thing that we cannot see, some hidden talent, some hidden, you know, just swindling ability that he has, there's no reason that he should have been going into this season. There, there's just none, regardless of what you think about what the issue with Chris McCaffrey and quarterback. I mean, I, there's just no reason. The bright side. Really the reason he's still here is because we didn't get to see him with Christian McCaffrey too much. Right. And even though that's not going to say, I don't know why people keep thinking that's going to save you, no. but that's neither, that's neither here nor there. There are some college jobs coming open now that I think Matt Rule has to just take a, yeah. take a jump at. Wisconsin's yeah, open. Saying. Nebraska's open. Yeah. There's going to be more as the season rolls along because there's some disappointing teams out there. There are going to be some college jobs that I think that at this point, they look better than playing the coach in the Carolina. Like, no, I no, but, I think, but I think also with that, I think the reason, reason we didn't get rid of him because we owe him too much money. I mean, he's only been here for X amount of years. When he wants to see what he's got, and he doesn't want to see him as a failure. That's the only reason I think he's here. Also, who is he going to get? Nobody wanted to come to Carolina. Nobody wants to take this job as of right now, as the way it was, because they wouldn't have they wouldn't have got rid of their whole the whole staff. They they tried to appease everybody by getting McAdoo, bringing Steve Wilkes back, bringing them back to try to bring that back in the fold. So who would you go out and get? Who I really want, we can't get. We're not going to be able to get a Sean Payton. Sean Payton's not going to come work for Tepper. Um, I would like to see a Byron Leftwich, but I don't think Byron Leftwich is going to leave. I think he's going to be the head coach sooner or later down in Tampa. Um, Pep Hamilton, I would love for him to come home. He was one I was preaching about earlier on in the preseason. I think we should have gone after him before we went after Matt Rule um, or somebody to replace Matt Rule. But I think him and Lovey have an old kindred spirit there, and I think he's going to be probably in the in the Houston Texans co- coaching staff. I mean, coaching um, position conversation coming soon because I don't see Lovey staying there, but for so long as well. So I think we got our we got our work cut out for us, and we don't need to go back and try to find another college quarterback. We do need to find somebody with NFL experience, somebody that's coming off of a good tree, somebody that has experience both on both sides of the ball, and maybe working their way up through an organization. Yeah, and that's where I just get some issue. But now we've been talking about it. We're gonna have some guests come on here. We've got Panthers Rancher coming on here. Hey man, how you doing? Hey guys, can you hear me? Yeah, we yes, can hear sir. you. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure. I don't have a mic on, so I don't know if it's going to be working okay. But I appreciate you guys having me on. How you doing? Absolutely, doing man. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. Say. <laughs> yeah that, that was that was not a fun game to watch, man. It no, it wasn't. And so we know, you know, Panthers rant is your mantra. It's your mantle, and I'm sure you got a lot to rant about. Give us, you know, a few talking points of some of the things that irked you going forward today or going into today, dude. Like, wh- where even to start? Um, I-, I thought this was a real opportunity to to get the passing game going and turn this offense around going in. The Cardinals had one of the worst passing defenses in the league. And we didn't even try to take advantage of that. You know, it feels like the Panthers offense can't go two plays without making a self-inflicted mistake, whether it's a holding call, whether Baker missing a throw, just everything feels like there's something wrong with it. You know, like there's no, that there's no good play, I guess is what I'm saying. No, absolutely. And I think for the first time, though, I will say, though, I think offensively penalties was a little bit few and far in between. Special teams definitely was where you saw a lot of the issues there. But also on offense, we weren't playing enough for there to be enough times where you could make a mistake, you know, like there yeah. where you could get one of those penalties. We weren't on the field even long enough to do that. And that's what – but you're right. I mean, talk about that Cardinals defense and just what is there to look at. Hmm? Did, we, did we take a single deep shot today? 
Yeah, yeah I did. took two and that were just nowhere, clo- <laughs> oh. nowhere, nowhere close to the receivers, the interception, and then the one that uh, I don't remember what the score was at the time. I think it was still manageable at that point. I don't think they had scored their second touchdown, um, but he just completely underthrew. I believe it was either DJ or Robbie. I can't entirely remember off the top of my head. But, I mean, just from every single aspect, it just seemed like, you know, just lackluster from the, from the very get-go. And I think it starts with the coaching staff, man. I mean, pr- probably the two biggest – points of the game that pissed me off um, from McAdoo one the first drive where you go quarterback sneak and then halfback dive on third and fourth and one like just go home if that's your play call just go home and then coming out of the half you try two halfback dives again against stacked Cardinals boxes that get a total of five yards and then you get sacked on third down the defense was on the field for all but four plays in that third quarter like it's just you can't do that and you know, something that like that I've been taught like in football, like obviously I'm not a coach yet, but you know, something that like kind of had instilled in me, like as a coach, when you're losing momentum and things are starting to go wrong, you just need to do something to change the course of the game and try to make a big play. Whether that means blitzing or doing like a reverse, something. And they just never did that. And you know, the it felt like after that CJ Henderson penalty, like the Panthers just never had control again. Of course, CJ Henderson getting beat on a bit. <laughs> He does it every week. They <laughs> tackle him. He just, that was the best tackle he made all game. It's, honestly, like he, if he gets beat by this much, he's like, "Oops, gotta grab, gotta do this, this, and that." I don't, I don't know. Are you? Were you a? Who was a DB here? I don't. Oh, I don't I, know. I, I, that was a like corner. Well, 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 here's the thing. When he's beat, it's not that he's necessarily straight up toasted. He, if he keeps his technique and doesn't panic, the biggest thing that he panics. Before the ball even gets there, are they, are they already on the are they already on the ground? We, he had him in a chokehold before the ball was even ten he, yards close. He did, he, did he, did against he did against Cleveland. He did it against the Saints last week, and that almost put them back in the game. And then he did it again today. That completely just changed the course. Like that might be one of the worst trades that we've done in quite some time because he's and, been horrendous for us. And it, that's what kind of upsets me too, especially for him. Um, I, you know, when you have, I was okay with it last year when we didn't have a great staff there as far as our defensive backs are, but now, I mean, she got Steve Wilkes back there. I know he's not telling him to do that stuff. I know he's telling him you got to keep your freaking head on straight because like, but then also I think it's just at that point, the DBs, especially was where I was concerned about I, I, Gilmore, you know, wasn't going to want to stay, but you also didn't even try to bring anybody else in from a defensive back standpoint. Slay was wanting to go somewhere. He was looking. And he made the right choice to go to Philadelphia and to and go. But JC Jackson was looking to go somewhere. You didn't. Even, and now he's a bit younger as well. But I mean, in terms of just not adding depth, like you have Horn, but they're all younger guys. Hartfield, like we talked about, you're taught as a defensive back. When the hands go up, your hand goes up and tries to get right in the middle. And if he had done that, he's not. Brown's not making that catch or it's going to be it's going to be a lot harder for him to get both feet in. But, you know, I think it's another thing that concerns me is that, you know, you look at it, especially at the beginning of the game, you talk about that, that key play that we needed. You had it with Frankie, really. There was nothing going on before that. You had punt, downs, punt, downs, punt, downs. Frank, JC, again, and they have the tools to do this. They make the calls. You send JC in like you're supposed to. Chin can't do a blitz. All right, send Horn in. He can make that happen. He makes the effort to create the pick. Luvu takes it all the way to the house. The next play, the next drive, they get the ball back. Turnover on downs. We were set up in great field position, and – the play that really kind of killed everything was the fumble. Yep. And that really yeah. scares oh, and that God. and that really scares me though, because that was a great play design. It was oh, a great yeah. play design. DJ had grass if he got that ball going the other way. And you give it to DJ Moore. We've been screaming for that for DJ three years space. now. DJ, that, was, that was a throwback to what we did to them in 2015 during the championship With game. Tech in, yeah. Ruined it. Like uh, okay, I know and I've I've crapped a good amount of McAdoo so far, but he I don't think he called that bad of a game in the first half. Like overall, I mean he had that play that got messed up. Baker missed a few throws, and and another position another position group that really just pooped the bed today. And y'all talked about already, but the tight end position, man, good God, you had like three drops in the first quarter alone. And what really irritates me about that is like that's a hole we all saw coming in the offseason. Like we were all irritated when Ian Thomas got resigned. But but rule just wants to keep. But rule just seems to like wants to keep these guys around for for some reason when we should have gone out and signed someone who was actually decent. And it's like funny CJ enough because like that was I my see, guy yeah, that yeah. I wanted. 
Well, the mm-hmm. poetic justice of Zach Ertz on his, you know, 40th year in the league on the other side, just making your receipt, your cornerbacks and linebackers look silly. And that's the poetic justice. And the, and the thing that upsets me too, and we talked, and Chanti was talking about it. There are certain players that have wanted to come here. Carlos Dunlap, Eric Ebron was literally begging for just a chance to get to talk to him. And you shot and you shoo them away. And not even Fitter, but Fitter is is begging to do so. But they're like, well, you have to earn your position. Carlos Dunlap don't need to earn his position or his pay. Eric Ebron, maybe I could understand that. But but Carlos Dunlap, come on now. D- stop. Yeah. stop yeah. How much do you guys put this on Fitterer? Because I'm personally, I'm not ready to uh, yet. I, don't put I wouldn't necessarily I say it's Fitterer. needs to stay. Like he, yeah, I wouldn't say it was Fitterer. He's head on straight somewhat. Yeah. No, nah, but at the end of the day, I think Federer brings him in, but then you got to put it on the coach, right? The coach utilizes the tools in the toolbox. And we went out and we've gotten other other players. We talk about Foreman all the time. We talk about Higgins all the time. I mean, there's some other players that we've gotten that we just don't use effectively. So Federer know, knows what he's doing as far as trying to get us players. It's what we do once we get them that, that's really shooting us in the foot. And I, I'll jump in here. Well, the, the biggest thing, the reason why I can't put it on, on, on Federer is because I still don't know how – from what we've been told from everybody else, Matt Rule has a big say-so in who's going to make the final cut and put a big part in why Carlos Dunlap didn't didn't leave Carolina with a contract. So with a guy like that at the helm and he's making the final decisions and he's saying things like a, a, an 11-year vet who's a, been a proven pass rusher, been a proven guy in this league for well over a decade, he's telling him that he's got to earn a position on a team that doesn't have a pass rusher outside of Brian Burns that can generate – like it, you know, you know, it, it's. I, I just don't. I can't put it all on on, on Scott. I do want to see him get a chance to get his own guy in the building and see how that goes from there. If the next guy doesn't work, then you know, of course, everybody goes. But Scott, unfortunately, came in into the middle of a, a of a of a tornado, and then you really can't find his footing with the guy like Matt Rule at the helm. Especially, and I think, especially if you leave, if you want to believe what you know came out on Twitter a few weeks ago, and the thread of you know Phil Snow's kind of hand in all of this. If he wants those, you know, especially look at the linebacker position. If he wants those smaller guys, those more hybrid guys that he can have for what he wants to use, it makes a complete sense that you know Damien Wilson or Corey Littleton, who has he been on the field at all? Do I, I forgot we had him for a little while he's terrible, there. though. He, no, he's been out there. Yeah, he's, he's been out there. He hasn't and, done much. He was and out that's there. But that would, you know, for Fitterer there to get those guys and in terms of, you know, not keeping some of our other guys, I will give him a bit, you know, of, of uh, some, you know, some lacks for that. You know, offensively, I think that, again, Foreman, great pickup. That was absolutely what we needed. And especially if Rule, you know, wants to take a look at, you know, if Rule's playing at part two and he's kind of, you know, his hands are tied, then I could see where those things come about. But Michael, thank you, man, for coming on. We're going to talk about a few more things here, but uh, loved having you on, man. You've been a you know a frequent uh, frequent guest, so it's always good to hear from you. Appreciate you guys. I'll see you later. Yeah, man. Later, see you. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted think- to say one more thing about Scott Fitter because I looked it up. Um, from 2001 to 2020, he was in. He was like high up in the Seahawks organization. He, if I'm not mistaken, he brought Pete Carroll there. He did all of those things to build a football team that is now a respectable team, even though they just lost Russell Wilson. But if we can let him get this going with what he's already learned, how are we not giving him the reins and saying, please take this? David Tupper doesn't care. He doesn't want, he doesn't like have any say in what's going on. And I'm I'm highlighting this comment here from Dimitri because again it's that original sin. You the 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 biggest red flag was keeping Herney there, and you know we had talked about it back you know a few years ago when we talked with a former Panthers player Kevin Donnelly, Shantice, and I. We asked you know why in the world is Herney still there, and he gave us some insight from an NFL perspective. You know at that point in time for when the house was getting cleared, you're so far into your season as a GM, you know the draft and everything like that. Then it was a bit you know too tumultuous to get rid of him at that point. And I understand that, but it again plays into you let him make these cap decisions. You let him make these decisions for coaching staff. Like the draft is one thing I can understand. I, if it would have just been him making decisions for the draft, I'm okay with that because your draft in the long run, only about 10 to 20% of the players that you put into that in, into that are going to have that big of an impact. But when you right. come with cap hits, when you turn when how you move that money around and coaching, especially that's going to have a huge implication on the next five, six years of your team to the point where, especially he's already out the door. He don't care. And, and for Tepper, that's where I, and that gives me a red flag for Tepper. Cause like you said, 
he just said, okay, let me just take some other people that I, uh, let me just take some people here that can do what they need to do. And I'll, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll recluse myself of everything else. And that's what he really did. And it seems to be what he does in his business proceedings because three or four of his CFOs, CEOs have left in the last two, three months. And that's a problem in and of itself. Yeah. And, and like you said, Brock, you got you, you, you went out and got a guy like Scott that's been proven to work for a successful NFL franchise, proven to be able to know how to team build. And it's just, I hate the fact that Scott's not being able to have the, the, the full ability to have to say so who's on the roster, who's not getting his guy in the building. I would love to see because from the little bit of moves Scott's been able to been able to make, he's been active. He's made moves that I think have had high value, but I don't think we're ever going to see the full fruits of his labor until he gets to be able to be the, the head man in charge and make all the decisions and especially bringing in the next coach. Because I know for a fact the next coach will at least be more competent than what we have right now. Because I mean, can it get worse? Yes. The likelihood of it getting worse than this right now, though, I, I can't yeah. see it happening. And I, I just got bitter. I'm walking I, in that building telling everyone to show me their rings because it, 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 they don't have any. He's the only one in there with a ring and the only one who knows how to get to the Super Bowl, which is if that's not the goal, then what the hell are we doing here? Yeah, I think like, I think Tepp is going to have to I think Tepp is going to have to lean on Scott Fitter a lot more on this head coaching job because he did get the head coach before Scott Fitter walked in. Um, Scott Fitter has relationships, too. So those relationships are going to go a lot further than what Tepper coming in trying to throw money at one of the latest and greatest coaches out there. He was trying to get the McVay effect. And that's just so, I mean, that's just a diamond in the rough. You're not going to get the McVay effect every time you go out. You're not even going to get the McDaniel effect down in, down in Miami. I mean, those are just two anom anomalies. Look how, look how LaFleur is just, he's struggling right now, right? He was the golden boy for a couple of years, but now he's struggling. You know, they've had to redo their roster. They've had to make some, to had to make some tough choices when it came to their salary cap because of their quarterback issues. So there's a lot to be said to that. I, I'm, I'm more interested in Scott Fitterer staying on than I am on us trying to resurface somebody internally to take over as the head coach. I know I would like for Steve Wilkes if we go to an interim maybe, but outside of that going forward, we do need a whole new fresh look coming into, coming into the, uh, into the organization. I think we've relied too much and too heavily on, trying to recycle too much if we would have mm -hmm. thought about keeping somebody again you know what i'm gonna say my boy up in, in buffalo brandon bean you know i i totally respect him so that was that's like the only kind of thing that i would see us having but we don't even have that type of regime in place for us to even bring up through the ranks I, th I think best case scenario is what you see kind of happening at what you saw happen in Tennessee, you know, 2018, 2019, their best year. They, they get John Robinson also coming from the Seahawks organization, coming straight from there as a GM gets great pickups, gets great mm -hmm. draft picks. I mean, if you look at the draft class they've had in the last five, six years, ridiculous, ridiculous in terms of who they've been able to get now in terms of keeping those players, whether for health reasons or for money reasons, maybe not made some of the best decisions, but even then you lose AJ Brown, you go get, <laughs> You know, Traylon Burks, although I hope they didn't end his freaking season tonight because that was stupid of what they did. Anywho, though, but you, you think of all the pieces there. You go get not only that, but then you get Mike Vrabel. Proven time in the league, different positions, playing as a player and as a coach under good coaches. And then you get Arthur Smith as well for your offensive coordinator, another proven offensive coordinator. And really their only problem that year was that they had to play against Patrick Mahomes and and, and, and they had some injury issues too. But I mean, you know, you, 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 you do what you can with that one. So that's where I'm like, all right, you got your GM now. It's exactly, you get a proven head coach. God, I wish we could have gotten someone like Dan Campbell or we would have thought about someone like Dan Campbell because that's yeah. the situation we're putting ourselves in now is you're going to have to wait, basically. It's getting to when we're going to have to wait for someone like that to pop up, you know, because even the guys that are out right now, I mean, they're still a bit more in the not inexperienced side, but there is a definitely a higher ceiling, but a, a, a lower floor as, I, as head coaches. I do think the coaching free agency pool. Does, I think it's still a solid pool that we that we have that we still have a chance to pick from. Pick from because of left because a guy like Leftwich didn't get the Jacksonville job. That's a guy. I would, you know, that's of course a guy I would like. Of course, guys, veteran coaches like a Sean Payton are still sitting out there. There's still some younger guys. That are still in the mix. I mean, a lot of these OCs. I mean, we. I mean, we see it every year. Everybody wants to go for the young, young, hot and popping OC. I think we'll have our chance if we make the right call and don't wait. Just right. cut bait. Right. I, I, that's the biggest thing. We can't be late to the party. That's the. Mm -hmm. That's what's always going to kill you. Always going. Always going to kill you. I mean, luckily the Saints didn't do anything drastic this offseason. They kept. They stay. They kept. They stay with Dennis Allen. But we got to beat them to the punch too. Cause I don't know how much I, there's, there are, there are teams that are going to be 
I, I think the biggest thing we got to make sure we, we're not doing is forgetting that there are 31 other teams that still have to make decisions that the league is not waiting on us to make these calls. So we better be the first and the fastest to go get our guy that we, the, the guy that we think is going to be able to be the one to lead for the next 10 years. Rashawn Teach, we have to be attractive too, though, right? We have to be attractive in that in that pursuit. And right now, I don't think we're like the redheaded stepchild. You know, we're like the last girl to be called on prom night. You know what I mean? Right now, nobody's really looking to try to come and care as we speak, nah. as we sit today, right? But if you are coming with a much more attractive piece where you've got a Scott Federer in the front office, and you know, he's really like, look, now it's time for us to change course, right? We talked about it. Now we're going to be about it. That's all, that whole conversation. That's what I mean. And if we have something on the horizon of a strategic plan as to these are the quarterbacks we're looking at. This is who we know we're talking to. This is how we see our offense evolving post CMC. You see what I'm saying? So we have to start talking about the future now as opposed to what we normally do. We talk about the future and the present. And we always we're always late to the party. As Scott Fitterer, like you kind of have to, you have to be loyal to your guys. So like Matt Rule, you can't just like count him out right now. But in the back of your mind, you got to be. Yes, you can. About, That's not his but, guy. But I mean, That's you not have his to, guy. But he's with but, him on the team. If we're gonna build that culture yeah. that we want to have, yeah. you have to ride or die for everyone in that organization until the end. I'm not saying that you can't think about other <laughs> options and look. Oh, look around. okay. So you want to date around? You want to date around? You want to date around while you're married? You want to date around while you're married? That's what you want. Yikes. But no, I mean, I get what you're saying because, but the problem that's going to come out of that is that at certain point, Tepper's, like I said, I don't think Tepper's going to be the guy to pull the plug. Someone's got to be the guy to pull the plug. And if it's not the owner, it's going to come down to your GM. And to your point, Jason, though, I think as a team, we talk about it talent-wise, potential for that talent. I think we are an attractive team. I think that, you know, if you look at offensively, outside of the offensive line, again, being a bit younger, I mean, Robbie has his issues, but LaVisca has, you know, has proven he can be. Where was he today? Where was he today, by the way? I think he was hamstring, I believe. I say, I believe they kept him off for that one. Okay. But, um, I just no. I mean, I think you know, offensively. A I think, question next. I mean, it's a great question to ask. I mean, there's. It seems like there's always these healthy scratches or these missing names from the injury report that just aren't on the field. That is always a question for me. Um, but I think that you know, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to try to say whoever commented this. I don't. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. But like, so a guy like you know, kind of like Ken Dorsey. I think that that's you know, there's guys like that that could be able to make this i mean look i mean obviously ken dorsey is a little bit of a question mark because when you got josh allen stefan diggs and some of the other guys you know it's 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 hard to call I, that poorly no nah, i'm but to gotta give him credit though ken dorsey was there from the rip and we, i remember specifically how josh allen looked for those first two years and that didn't look like an nfl quarterback for those first couple of years so i gotta give credit to ken dorsey he was the quarterback coach that helped him progress to this point he's the end now he's a potential mvp guy you know, a top five quarterback. I mean, there's really no, there's really no debate about it. If I let a guy like that go pair up with a quarterback, some of these guys that are in this current class, I think we can have something cooking, man. But it's like it again. The unfortunate. No, go ahead. I mean, the unfortunate part is, are y'all ready for how this has to look in order for us to get those guys? I mean, we're already there. We're trying to teach. We're already there. I mean, we might as well buckle up and just get ready for it. I mean, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, you know this, but you know how Matt Rule and them boys do. They tease you for, for a couple weeks, get you a couple wins. Oh, we got something cooking, you guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, nah, 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 nah. Stink. Yeah. Just be who you are. Let your let your real self, uh, let your reveal your real self and just be, you know, I can't say it on YouTube, but just be, just be who you need to be so we can at least set us up for the next generation. I'm just worried about Rule going on like a revenge tour and pissing everyone off to the point where they want to leave. He had, I've never seen DJ angry before, especially in a press conference. And that press conference after the game, when you openly, when you openly say your receivers aren't getting open, when that's just blatantly yeah. not true, yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah. And we saw, like you said, that thread talking about Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, these key pieces of your team that are upset with what's going on. And I'm afraid he's going to start getting worse about it to save his own behind and saying it's on you. I mean, he's always pointed fingers. He did it to Joe Brady. He did it to Teddy Bridgewater. He did it to Cam Newton, continuously pointing fingers at anyone he could. And I'm afraid he's going to continue to do that because, like, if we could keep CMC and, and DJ, then, right, Ken Dorsey, pairing him with someone like that, you know, it concerns me, again, the offensive coordinator to head coach pipeline because of – the because the, the impact they have can either be very you know helpful like Sean McVay and the Rams, 
or it can be more detrimental, like we see with Cliff Kingsbury and, 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 you know, at times in Arizona, or you see with Matt LaFleur and where he has been. So, you know, I think that's where I get a bit concerned as well in terms of, you know, having it. It's almost like I wish he would have been, you know, someone we had interviewed. Again, I don't know why that wasn't someone that was on your mind last year, because I get, I know why it is, because as an organization, you cut ties with everyone that you had familiarity with the bills to you know panthers to bills pipeline was well and good hasn't really happened since other than i think mario addison and fa obata and then same yeah. with washington as well and washington was looking good with the with almost the exact same offensive coordinating staff or same coordinating staff that rivera had at different points in time here so i get a little concerned with offensive coordinator and i just get concerned with player retention overall because it's gonna the clock's gonna start ticking and it's a different type of ticking than 2016 where it was an age thing and you had to make sure you got these guys their rings before they got out of here yeah now well, Joe, that's what i was saying that's what i was saying if you look on the sideline these guys are not feeling rule at all like they <clears> you can you can tell in the way the, the body language on the sideline the body language on the field series after series coming on, on and off the field you know what I mean? There's no swag about it. There's no buy-in to that whole culture right now. It's from what I can see. Rule blows hot smoke. We come to show up on Sundays, and that's and if we win, it's, we're going to win in spite of instead of for. And that's yeah. how I look at that's it. That's when team. That's when it gets really bad. That's when you start to be a yeah. real dumpster fire of a team. Exactly. I just wish that we could have something like something to look forward to because I'm I'm so tired of this like constant cycle of something that nobody wants to see. I think that we just need to do some drastic stuff because, like, it, we need to change the game. Mike McDaniel's a guy like Mike McDaniel's would have been awesome to have on our team. Yes, he was from yes. a great coaching tree, so he's not going to come here because why would he? He has yeah. other better things to do, like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. But come on, just bring something, change the game up. Like, let's do something out of the ordinary because obviously, what we're doing right now is not working, and it's can going to continue not to work can't play like yeah. everyone else to beat everyone else Very hey, it, you know what's crazy though <laughs> cam newton has the best quarterback performance of the matt rule era that's the craziest part about all of this <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's crazy because nobody i don't know if you're <laughs> counting out uh pj walker there if we're talking nah, about, Cam, I mean, we're talking it, about it, it, but, but like that's but crazy. Nobody's performed better than Cam Newton versus the Washington Commanders last year. Off of ten days, this is bad, boy. This is like, this is, this is, this is bad. This is, this is something. It's something, but but I can't really say it. But it's something. It's something. <laughs> So looking forward now, you, you know, we said this was kind of the beginning of the gauntlet and it was a bit, it looked a bit easier with the way that the Cardinals have performed. And, you know, it, it has, I guess, you know, gone down a little bit, but still a pretty hefty gauntlet talking about having the 49ers come into town. Now, another four o'clock game for whatever reason, again, having 49ers come in, what are our thought? What's our thought process for that game going forward? What are we thinking? Jimmy G going to throw for 250 yards on us. no, <laughs> I think he's going to throw about for 250. I think we're going to lose. We're going to try to show up. We'll probably show up big in the first half. We'll have a mediocre third quarter, and in the fourth quarter, we'll probably give up another 14 points. And then score will probably be something around 28-14, 32-14. 30, um, and then Baker will probably have nine batted passes, two interceptions. He'll convert three for 10 on third down instead of two for 10 like today. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we, we'll be back at the L, the L dog pr promoting. Nick Bosa is going to run this entire game into the ground. <laughs> him, him versus Icky, I am not excited to see that. That is good. We saw no. what happened. I was at the no. San Francisco game uh, when we lost, like, 51 to 10 or whatever. And I started, doing, I started doing homework in the fourth quarter. I wore two different jerseys, and I took one off to try to change the mojo up. Nothing works against the Niners. We are going to get abused in that game by Nick Bosa, especially. And that doesn't count if if, if Javon Kitmar or Eric Armstead are healthy. That's not even we're not even talking about them. Hey, look, man, Debo Sam, you know what I'm saying? Eight six four kid, about to go crazy, about to go crazy. I'm telling you, he gonna run for at least one twenty, couple tutties. You know what I'm saying? He gonna catch about. Maybe fifty yards passing. Brandon Ayuk gonna go crazy on CJ Henderson. You know what? But you, 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 Brandon Henderson, uh, CJ Henderson gonna rack up about 
a good 40 yards and pass interference penalties. And it's going it's to be marvelous for the other side. Dante Jackson's <laughs> going to give up probably a touchdown on his side. Yeah, C.J. Henderson to give up a touchdown on his side. And I don't even know who the running back is right now for the 49ers, but it doesn't even matter. Jimmy G may even run one on in on us on the red Oh, team. my God. Now, you know, that's it's crazy. I, that's when it's over for me. That's when I turn yeah. the TV off. I'm about to throw the S curl in, get my flannel ready. My y'all don't say throw throw them W's up, baby. <laughs> West side, I'm repping them. <laughs> I tell you, dude, Debo is gonna ruin us. I, I, but I'm excited to see JC versus Debo. That's gonna be pretty cool. So that should be good. Man, that is gonna yeah, be awesome. Be. I didn't even think about that. I'll, I'll love be. seeing that. I mean, it's yeah. sad that we're talking about it like this. That for a team that has lost to the Broncos and the Bears and has only beaten the Seahawks and is is down there, you know, who they wanted to be their franchise quarterback. And Debo's not even the number one receiver right now. He's gonna be by next week. I can tell you that right now. I just, I mean, they thought Marquise Brown was bad. They thought Marquise Brown was bad. You're gonna get AIU and Debo coming into town. Is Kittle's back next week? Kittle's, oh, Kittle's, oh, Kittle's back, Kittle's back, last, back last week. And, yeah, he, and oh, and yeah, that's so. gonna be. You thought Zach Ertz was bad. Him. Who's going to cover George Kittle? Littleton? You're too I, You know what? Put, put Brandon Smith in. Let's see some cool Bro. stuff. I want to, like. There's no Brandon reason Smith to wait. He's like a creative player, dude. He looks awesome out there. Put him in There's the no reason. Hey, man. Hey, why is Amari Bono, uh, Barno not active? He's if you took girls, my. I think it, he's hurt, right? Oh, he's hurt. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was about to say, because if your turn's going out and looking like that, I, I might want to slap Barno out there and let that boy <laughs> yeah. spin. That three six four three six at six five two fifty. Get out of here. That's a freak. Yeah. Like that's a freak athlete. I that just is. I just I just so. don't know at this point. And it's gonna start that gauntlet going off forward. And again, like I said, got a little bit easier going, but I mean I I just I do not understand the things that have been done in this organization, and especially with the players that you've had and how you've wanted to use a lot utilize them. You get guys, you bring in guys like Foreman and then do nothing with him. You get guys that, you know, are no names at linebacker and expect them to revitalize the middle of your field. And then your middle of your field's wide, wide open, wide open. And, and then you get again with your defensive backs as well. I mean, they're going to get hurt. They're going to get hurt going forward. And I'm just, I'm concerned about what this game is going to be like, because it doesn't even look to be like, it's going to be as difficult of a team as we're playing, but the way we've been playing, I just I don't know I don't see us winning that many more games going forward. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't. But I'm I'm not mad about it because I want a good quarterback. Like tank uh. for tank for anyone, honestly, at this point. Like they had the tank for Tua thing, tank for CJ Bryce, uh, the guy from Western Kentucky, literally anyone at this point. Tank for a new coach. That's all we Thank for it. That's crazy. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And, and look, shout out to the Falcons for winning today. You know, yeah. I just want to give a shout out to all the teams that keep making it easy for us. You know, they out there starting Enrique Iglesias at quarterback, and they and they getting it done. They yeah. take. <laughs> Shout out, <laughs> shout out to the Vikings. Shout out to the Vikings for handling the Saints over the pond for us today. Yeah, because at no point do I ever want to see the Saints have success. I I, I hate them. I got, I got like a real hate for them. But Atlanta, oh, yeah. y'all y'all boys do y'all thing, man. That's cute over there, bro. Just keep on. Just keep on. <laughs> Just well, Desmond Ritter in. At this point, at this point, at this point, I don't know what else we could do. We can keep waiting, but the waiting is killing me. So. We're going to go, of course, say, because it was honoring him today, we're going to end our podcast as we always do. We're going to have to keep waiting, but at least we're going to keep pounding.